Welcome to this edition of TBU's Back Books for Beginners, episode 156. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we are your hosts. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book is Hush Returns, written by A.J. Lieberman. This covers the issues of Gotham Knights numbers 50 through 55 and Gotham Knights number 66. Uh, Chris, can you tell us a little bit about this book? Sure. Thank you very much, Jerry. Batman Hush Returns is a story that has been collected in a 208-page trade paperback of the same name, and the trade paperback was cover dated January 2006, and it had a cover price of $12.95. One online vendor is offering a copy for as little for the unusual sum of $2.56 at the time of this recording, (laughs) Hmm, and I wonder if that's a bit of a foreshadowing tell. I wonder. (laughs) I wonder. The volume collects the story that originally appeared in Batman Gotham Knights numbers 50 through 55 and number 66, with the opening chapter number 50 cover dated April 2004. And for those of you paying strict attention and have been loyal listeners to the podcast since me and Jerry's tenure on the show, you'll correctly surmise that we're still covering the Batbook material from this particular time period. As we previously covered Broken City and City of Light, which was two stories already in progress when this issue came out. The cover art for all but one of the stories was provided in the distinctive style of Lee Bermejo. The writer of the story was A.J. Lieberman. Lieberman did some writing on detective comics around the same time, so his name rung a bell. But it seems the bulk of Lieberman's mainstream comic book writing credits was only around this time period, primarily working on Batman Gotham Knights and having uh, having his hand in the forthcoming War Games storyline, which Jerry and I will soon be covering. Yeah, looking forward to that. (laughs) Lieberman also wrote on the Martian Manhunter title around the same time. He later worked on a title called Cowboy Ninja Viking for Image Comics. And then, a few years uh, back, he worked on a title called Harvest. Now, don't let the title fool you. This wasn't about uh, a story in the world of farming, but it dealt with illegal organ harvesting, of all things. (laughs) I wasn't able to find any recent credits from his work beyond that of, of just a few years ago. And let's see, uh, we have Al Barrynuevo, who was a penciler for this story, and that's Al, who's short for Alejandro. He did a fair bit of work on Batman Gotham Knights. He's from Argentina. He spent some time in Spain, where I think he makes his present home. Uh, The first credited work that I could find for him was in DC's Legion title back in 2003. He also did some work on Martian Manhunter and Teen Titans. Uh, he also worked on Resident Evil for Wildstorm and The Authority, and most recently he's done work on X-Men and a Loki title for Marvel. Now at this point of the podcast, this is where I usually mention snippets of online reviews for this particular book or story arc that we'll cover, but I'll save that for later when I share my own thoughts <laughs> after Jerry's awesome and detailed recap. So... With a story that features Batman, Hush, the Joker, Green Arrow, and the Riddler, we must be in for a huge treat, right? You would think so. Take it away with the story (laughs) recap, Jerry. Well, thanks, Chris. Uh, Yes, so let's get into the plot of this uh, story. So it begins with the Riddler crashing through the skylight of a swanky Gotham party room. So he crashes to the floor, onto a table, and is all kinds of messed up. How did, how did we ever get here? What could have happened? How did we get, what could have happened? <laughs> Let's find out. 
Uh, turns out, a week earlier, a large shadowy man is cutting wood in a bayou shack. The shack's owner's pals come by, and they try to harass the squatter. That doesn't work out too well for them. They're killed for their trouble. Uh, you know, that just goes to show what happens when you help out a pal. And it turns out that the squatter is planning something big. Bruce Wayne is at a party, and he sees a woman he believes is Vesper Fairchild, a deceased old flame. He follows her out into the street and needs to change into his Batman suit to save her from being thrown out of a car and hit by a truck. But it turns out it, is, it isn't Vesper at all. Uh, when Batman leaves the doppelganger, it turns out that she baited Bruce for money. This is all part of a, of a mysterious plan. Riddler is in Blackgate Prison which is not a healthy place for a Riddler to be, and he wants to get out. He's being threatened with death, and he's able to get word to Joker, saying that if Joker can get him out of jail, he will tell him the name of the person who killed Joker's wife. This is very motivating for Joker. Now, while this is going on, at Gotham City Hospital, an MRI machine is broken down, and a repairman's called in to fix it. He comes in, he fixes it, and leaves a bomb behind. Um, you know, you can't trust these people anymore. You know, just no. these repair, MRI repairmen, they're nothing but trouble. Yeah, security and uh, oh, background yeah. checks, what have you. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, Joker arranges for Riddler's release from Blackgate. So the plan is, is that Riddler is going to be transferred to another facility, but something is going to happen predictably uh, while he's en route. So Batman is monitoring the prison vehicles as they make their way through Gotham City. A missile takes out some of the vehicles, and Batman moves in to make sure Riddler doesn't escape. At the same time, in the tunnels underneath Gotham, a large shadowy figure is doing some electrical work, which probably also isn't a good sign. Uh, he calls a bomb threat into Gotham City Hospital, and Batman has to run to the emergency room emergency. So, with the Cape's Crusader out of the picture, Riddler is able to escape to an adjacent roof rooftop. Now, a cop tries to apprehend him, but is attacked by the shadowy figure. Uh, that figure has a beef with Riddler and breaks some of his fingers before he throws him off the roof into the skylight below. So this is where the story started. Remember? Hey, I remember. Oh, yeah. So here we are. So the shadowy figure follows Riddler down into the swanky ballroom, and it is a bandaged Hush. Now, Hush is supposed to be dead. Doesn't look too dead. Uh, he grabs Riddler, who's beat up pretty badly, but not dead, and he drags him out of the party. Now, outside of the party, Hush and Riddler are confronted by Joker and his gang. Joker wants custody of Riddler, but Hush is not interested in doing a trade. All of Joker's uh, gang attacks, and Hush is beaten up pretty badly. And Joker and his gang take Riddler away, leaving Hush alive. Now, Batman is looking at video from the party, and he recognizes Hush, which is a big surprise because Hush, who is Bruce's old surgeon friend, Tommy Elliott, uh, if you remember uh, or have read Hush, uh, Hush is supposed to be dead. So Batman goes to the graveyard, digs up Tommy's grave, but finds the coffin empty. Now, Joker and Penguin argue about the wisdom of leaving Hush alive. Joker demands that Riddler give up the name of the person that killed his wife, which Riddler does. He gives him the name of Oliver Hammett. Now, Joker arranges for his men to take Riddler to something called the Fort to hide out for a while. And as they leave, they're being watched, watched by Hush. Now, Hush goes to visit uh, the tailor 
for some battle gear. And he's uh, told that if he's going to take on all of Gotham, the good guys and the bad guys, he's going to be he's going to need more than just gear. He's going to need some help. And the help that he gets is Prometheus. Now this this Taylor guy, he's sort of like um, the Kittlemiler from the old fiction days. This is some uh, money under the table type of guy. Yeah. The person you can uh, get those objects that you need done, uh, yeah. the fittings that you need done, the sort of all uh, under the table in the QT, the uh, back alley. No one knows the uh, permanent address of this guy, but uh, he's got he's in that one location that you uh, know of if you're in the uh, underworld connections. There. Yeah, and even we see in this, even Robin visits him. Yes, so. So now we see Prometheus. He's going up against Green Arrow, and he's getting shot up pretty good by all the arrows. So um, in this fight, a GCPD cop gets killed. Now Hush rush, rushes in and saves Prometheus's life and takes him uh, away from the battle scene. And since uh, Tommy Elliot is a surgeon, he's able to heal Prometheus in a makeshift, makeshift operating room in a seedy motel. Now Green Arrow has called Batman and yells at him, for not putting out the word that Hush is back in town. So the two are kind of get kind of angry at each other, and they tussle a little bit to blow off some steam. Uh, then they go to visit the uh, dead GCPD's widow, uh, where Green Arrow tells her the bad news. So Green Arrow is able to find the seedy motel Hush used as an operating room, but it's empty, and realizes that Prometheus has been saved by Dr. Elliot, and he tells Batman the news. Joker now tells Penguin and Riddler the story of his dead wife. Twelve years ago, Jack and uh, Jeannie were a young married couple with a baby on the way. So Jeannie convinces Jack not to do a robbery he signed up for, and Jack goes in and tells his bosses that he won't go on the job. And they resist at first, but then they give in, or at least pretend to give in. So what's happening while he's going to do the job... uh, However... Before he, before the job happens, they kidnap Jack's wife and say that they'll kill her unless he goes to Ace Chemical Plant with them to do this, uh, do this heist. So Jack goes on the job, but, uh, the GCPD and Batman are there waiting for them. Now Batman kills, uh, kicks Jack into a vat of chemicals, uh, which we've seen before, and he emerges with the familiar white skin and green hair. Uh, Jack starts back for home, for her home. Now, at the same time, Riddler is casing a bank near the same building as uh, Jack's home is, and he's looking through some binoculars when he sees Jack's wife passed out on the floor of her apartment uh, with a man leaving through the fire escape. And this man is GCPD cop Oliver Hammett. Now, the building explodes with uh, Jeannie inside and killing her. Now, Jack witnesses this, and in his grief, he becomes the Joker. Now, after telling the story, uh, Joker and his gang are moving Riddler to a safe location where they are attacked by Prometheus. Hush again demands that the Riddler be turned over to him, and Prometheus and Hush kill all of Joker's minions. Riddler is gone. Hush beats Joker senseless, but Batman shows up before they can kill him. Bats and Hush parley for a while, talk about old times, uh, and uh, then Prometheus starts shooting. Batman evades the bullets and goes in search of Joker, who has also gone missing. What about the Riddler? Well, Riddler's on the run, but he runs into Poison Ivy, and he asks her to hide him. Joker finds his way to an abandoned carnival, and he strips and prostates himself in front of a trailer, 
the door is opened by some carny folk who welcome the battered Joker home. Now, Hush is angry. His plan to get Riddler has failed, and he tells Prometheus to get out of town. However, while this is going on, Prometheus is being attacked by a gang of armed men. Hush decides not to help him and skips out on the fight. Now, Deathstroke is one of the gang attacking. They take Prometheus's mask off, and he is an old, gray-haired man now. He's been poisoned by poison ivy. Talia al Ghul comes forward as the leader of the gang and tells them to get Hush. They do, and Talia says Hush that to save, uh, that he has to save Prometheus or die. Prometheus has something that she needs. So Hush operates and saves him. They find that Prometheus knows where there is a, a key. So we get Prometheus's backstory. He's got bad parents. He's a lot of fight training. Uh, he takes a trip to Shambhala where he trained and stole their secret key. The key gave him great power, and they realize that they're going to have to heal Prometheus before they can get him to give him the key's location. And so they get the story, this whole backstory, and they say Hush can go. Now, Hush doesn't trust them that they're going to really let him leave, and he takes Talia as a hostage and is able to escape. Now, this key that they're looking for is in the headquarters of the Justice Society, and believe it or not, that's the end of the story. Where did we go? I, did we go? What happened? Well, what happened? <laughs> oh, boy. So it, There's an interesting twist of events there toward the end. Yeah, interesting. It's So just to kind of do a super recap, Hush isn't dead. He wants to get revenge on Riddler. He tries to get Riddler, but gets beaten up. He gets a friend, Prometheus. They're able to almost get Riddler, but Riddler gets away. And that, in short, is the story. And a whole bunch of other stuff happens. Oh, mercy. Okay. Uh, Well, before I give my thoughts on this, let me give some snippets of some posted online reviews. Quote, I hate this book. Another quote, artwork and panel progression were amateurish at best. A refund would be in order. Here's another one. Not good enough to line a birdcage with. And finally, literally the worst Batman story I've ever read. Now you see why I tabled my contents until after Jerry gave his synopsis. <laughs> now, the website Goodreads has this sitting at 3.39 out of 5. And while on Amazon, the story's consensus is 2 out of 5. But the majority of reviewers give this 1 out of 5 stars. Man, uh, Jerry, do you want to go first on uh, your take on this or do you want me to keep going? Yeah, keep going. Let me. Well, let me I tell you, you know, yeah, this is, this is tough because the first Hush story written – by Jeff Loeb and drawn by Jim Lee, is considered a masterpiece, and I think it's fair to say it's held in pretty high regard. Mm-hmm. To say that the creative team of Lieberman and uh, Barry Nuevo had big shoes to fill would be a gross understatement. I am trying to look for some positives here, but uh, it isn't immediately easy. I wonder what happened here, and if this wasn't just a good mesh of a creative team or something that was sort of lost in the translation between writer and artist mm-hmm. and the ultimate finished product uh, that you wound up with. And I'm trying to think, you know, have you ever been in a situation where you've given someone instructions to complete a task only to see the finished product, not quite what you envisioned? Oh, yeah. Yes, it was completed, but it just didn't turn out the way you had it in mind. But Maybe you've been on the other end of it where uh, you were given a task to do and it wasn't done up to the other person's specifications. They may have left out something. 
if I'm being really, really generous, I'm trying to look at this in a positive one way. This is maybe somebody giving someone a new recipe and either the recipe left something out or it wasn't quite prepared in the right way. You've got a finished product here in the comic book, which on the surface looks okay, but when you're taking a bite out of this, it isn't the best thing you've ever had. And it's sort of both in respect to the writing and the artwork. Um, this is a very, very tough read if you haven't read the first Hush and you have no familiarity with The Killing Joke, since that was also alluded to here in the story. Um, complicating it a bit more, uh, the story takes a bit of The Killing Joke as literal canon, and it can be hard to swallow as we're not quite sure that what with the present events and rebirth, that that is the actual origin story of the Joker. You know, the way I deal with it is with my current stance on any Joker origin, it's got to be maybe a potential possible version, but until somebody until uh, DC editorship mandates it uh, as the correct one, we're still left wondering. And here we're left with this sort of it being taken at face value. Uh, this was just all over the place and kind of hard to swallow. I'm going to step back, and uh, Jerry, I, I know you've got some thoughts there, and I'm probably going to cut in as you do so. Yeah, so the the thing is, this story starts off promising. I thought, you know, with the Joker falling through the, the, the skylight, I mean, the Riddler falling through the skylight, uh, with uh, some of the action going on in the bayou, it's very mysterious, very spooky, feels like something something good could, could happen. And this uh, holds up for about an issue, an issue and a half, maybe almost two issues. But sometime around the the end of the of uh, I think issue fifty two, maybe that uh, when Robin they, they have a scene where Robin goes to visit the tailor for for some equipment, and it's not clear what he's there for, and he's trying to be incognito, but. He's in his Robin suit, you know? It's like, oh, who was that mysterious guy talking to the tailor? Oh, it was Robin. I mean, it, it was kind of silly and didn't really tie into the rest of the story. That's where things start unraveling a little bit. I think you, you, you're you onto something there quite a bit, too. And I misspoke earlier where he's the, where I kind of put off like the tailor is more of a transient character. He, he's more or less a fixture, but his... Uh, Location is only known to a select few is what I was trying to say. I, I think you nailed it right there where things sort of really go off the rails. Um, did you find the voices to be somewhat in character with, with the way Hush was handled, with the way Joker was handled? It, it seemed to me Joker's voice was off. Uh, it was all over the place, and it, it uh, I, I think we sort of lost. This was almost the sanest Joker I've seen in quite some time. Yeah, definitely. He was just like a bad guy, or any old bad guy. Uh, you know, and the the other thing, you know, as, so as, you know, they're bringing in Green Arrow, and they're they're bringing in Prometheus, and uh, giving Prometheus his backstory. The, the, the thing that's in this is really bad, and, and I'm not sure... After Riddler and Joker get away... Uh, so that's pretty much a flop is in terms of, you know, a narrative story, right? Basically nothing happens. Uh, and then they have a whole issue with uh, Gotham Knights uh, 66 that's really unrelated. It's just Hush and Prometheus running around and they bring in Talia and they bring in uh, Deathstroke and there's some fighting. The only thing I can think of is that they needed another issue for the trade. 
and that is a bad reason. Well, yeah, I agree, and I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I, we have Gotham Knights issue 55 ending with the Riddler asking Ivy for help, Yeah, if my memory serves me here. Then that's where the issue ends, and then in issue 56, the War Games story arc opens, mm-hmm. and if you're holding this trade, you're, 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 you're just confused. Yeah. Uh, if you're reading this in trade form, I don't think you get any editorial note to the events, which could have been summed up in one of two paragraphs, and we smash cut to this scene in 66 with Hush and Talia. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. Very, very strange. So, uh, now the one thing I will say is that the Joker backstory, the Joker origin story, is is pretty tight. Pretty, I, I thought it was uh, effective. So if I'm looking for a, a kind of positive thing to say about this, uh, I would say that you know that that is successfully done. I don't know. What do you I'll think? agree with you. This, oh, absolutely. I think this is looking at it through a different lens. Um, this isn't literally swiped from uh, the depiction in the t- killing joke we've we've got a different art we're looking at it from from a different lens it's from a different angle uh, some of the narrative is slightly different but it's still faithful and we're st- we still have a, a pacing which is there with the events as we know possibly know them <laughs> at the time that that it's, it's ringing true yeah. uh because in a lot of this, a lot of things aren't ringing true with uh, just the way Joker is acting. We have like these uh, tense standoffs between Joker and Hush with uh, a lot of bravado, but with no resolution. And it, it just was painfully depicted to just just to just to read and, and ha- see this go down. Okay. Uh, we talked about the writing and how the characterizations have played out. Jerry, what did you think of the artwork? I thought the artwork was adequate. I thought it was fine. It was uh, a little... It was moody. It was scratchy. There was some pretty decent uh, color. I And I do think that uh, the strongest part was probably the Joker backstory. So that was um, that was in Gotham Knights 54, I, I believe. Uh, you are correct. It was in 54. Yeah. Um, I just thought, and it's so hard for me to be critical because I, I am by no means a, an artist, but I think some of the things that were meant to have weight and resonance just didn't have it here. Uh, we had uh, cityscapes that just didn't seem to have uh, weight and they just sort of look like a meaningless off panel. Mm-hmm. Uh some things looked okay, but other things looked off with, with facial expressions and, and uh, just some weird angles yeah, body of, of looking at body positioning. Thank yeah. you. Uh, Joker's bow tie looked like more of a less something that you'd find on a big, uh, like, so, so ornamental like you'd find on a giant box as opposed to see, seeing it on a suit. Uh, and it, it distracted me from, from uh, whenever I saw him in the story. Yeah. I just thought it's a little weird, a little weird. Yeah. Now I, I did notice that in uh, Gotham Knights Fifty Four that uh, the inker was Jimmy Palmiotti. So oh yeah okay. So I'm wondering what part he had to play. That was the only uh, issue that Palmiotti did the art for. And I'm thinking, and I don't know for sure, but my guess is is that the uh, Joker backstory was kind of an insert to this uh, to this story. 
Yeah, I wonder if anybody out there would know for sure. Um, and if so, feel free to give us a comment and let us know what your thoughts and take on this was. Definitely. So, speaking of takes, uh, Jerry, uh, do we go right to our ratings, or are we any more thoughts before we go there? Let's do it. Uh, what do you think? What would you give this? Well, Jerry, I tell you what, I, I'm trying to be so positive about this. Um, I'm going to go two and a half out of five, and I, I'm being very generous here. Uh, this, however, comes with some caveats on my part. Please know that if you get this trade, I don't think you're getting the whole entire story here. There are a few nuggets which make this somewhat worthwhile, but by no means am I saying this is a must-read or this is a bad book you have to have in your collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I did like was just some of the oddity and curiosity of Joker's voice. Uh, there were some nice interactions with respect to Riddler and the Penguin, where you'll see maybe the sanest version of the Joker that you would ever see. And for that, I thought it was almost as like uh, worth a peek. Um, this don't don't get me wrong. This doesn't fall under the category. It's so bad, it's good, or it's so bad, it's silly. Mm-hmm. It just for for looking at it from that novelty, but. Just some of the interactions and with the depiction of uh, the Joker origin as it is Mm -hmm. in issue number 54, that gives me a uh, two and a half out of five. There is one other thing, too, um, you know, of all the voices that seemed to be off, one that I thought was really well done was Oracle in what limited role she had here. I thought she was I thought she was just her character was spot on, but really didn't she didn't play an integral part of the story but what little we had i I thought was just really good from what we saw here so i say two and a half where are you going to go with this i think uh the plot wandering off was a little too much for me i think i'm going to go two two even uh two out of five uh and i can see that i was really torn just to Lose my score. So you're going in with two. Yeah, and actually it would be worse if it wasn't for the pretty well-done Joker backstory. I might even go lower if it wasn't for that one nugget. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't think I would recommend this uh, this story to anyone. If anybody wanted to, you know, in terms of, like, being important to continuity, I would say pick up Gotham Knights 54 to see the Joker backstory, but... Forget about the rest of it. What do you, what well, do you think yeah. Oh, I absolutely agree, and I think that's a great, great spin on it. If there was any redeeming part of this, it was uh, the events that were depicted in issue 54. Wow, yeah, that that's a good call. Yeah, yeah. I like that. All right, fantastic. So, uh, sad but true, that's where we are on this book. Uh, so, you know, that's all we have for today, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Now, please leave us comments so that you know what you liked and how we can do better. And we have gotten some pretty good feedback, Chris, haven't we? As a matter of fact, we did. We got a nice uh, email from Darren and Ruth Sutherland, who, uh, yeah, they are great. And I just want to read a snippet of this. Dear Chris and Jerry, we've just listened to the latest episode and thoroughly enjoyed it. It was terrific to hear the sheer enthusiasm in both of your voices as you covered the lighthearted adventure with Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, and Supergirl. Great fun. I shared it on Twitter and tagged Dr. Ange. He's a terrific guy who runs the excellent Supergirl comic box commentary blog. He's the greatest authority on Supergirl, in my opinion. Hopefully he'll give it a listen. And as a matter of fact, he did. He uh, did uh, acknowledge the tweet. And uh, let's see. He goes on to say... 
I want to sincerely thank you for the kind words about us and our podcast and the episode. That was very nice of you both. And I'm very happy to hear that Jerry likes Trekker Talk. Excellent. <laughs> so until sure the next did. episode, have a great day. Signed, Darren and Ruth Sutherland. And uh, they, of course, do the great podcast, Xenozoic Xenotales, with uh, Mark Schultz that covers Cadillac and Dinosaurs, Trekker Talk uh, that Jerry's now listening to, and Warlord Worlds that covers uh, the artwork from Mike Grell. Oh, and Trekker Talk uh, covers the artwork with Ron Randall, and I think Ron Randall even acknowledged the uh, tweet. So there you go. Thank you very much for writing. We really appreciate the sure feedback. Do. Sure do. Now, so uh, Jerry, um, uh, I also, you know, can can readers find you your excellent written prose online somewhere? Possibly the uh, TBU website, the Batman awesome. Universe website, where you find uh, Jerry's awesome written reviews uh, of Gotham Academy and Batman 66 and Mother Panic. And Jerry, is am I eyes deceiving me, or are you now reviewing Justice League? I, I've taken over for at least a, a short term, taken over some Justice League uh, reviews. And uh, it's a good time for it. It's a, it's a pretty good uh, time in the story arc, so I'm enjoying doing that. So, uh, well, good. Now, are you still doing? Uh, you're still doing Bat Batgirl to Oracle, doing the uh, Batman sixty six meets Wonder Woman seventy seven reviews, aren't you, Chris? I sure am, and we just had an episode recently drop at the time of this recording. So hopefully, listeners can find me there. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun with this series, as I know you are, based on your reviews. I think it's it's a really good take, and I'm I'm glad we have a pairing of these two great characters. Yeah, me too. We're we're reviewing some pretty good stuff these days. Yeah, and I, I, I just a little tease. I've also been fortunate enough to have been asked to uh, appear on uh, a future episode of Warlord Worlds, where I'm going to review an issue of Mike Girl's Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. But that's a little bit down the line, and then when that gets closer, I'll be sure to shout that out again. Yeah, I can't wait to listen to that. That should be fantastic. Uh, what are we going to cover next time, Jerry? Well, Chris, next time we're going to be covering As the Crow Flies, so that should be interesting. We hope you, everybody joins us then. Cool. So I'm Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we're saying goodbye for now, and thank you for tuning in to Bat Books for Beginners.